Hello, everybody. This is Bill Knauer, and you're listening to Author to Author, where we talk about writing and life, because what it takes to write, the book you want to write, it also is what it takes to lead the life you want to lead. That's true. Author to Author is brought to you by Author Magazine, premier free writing magazine on the Internet featuring articles on writing, writing life, as well as some video interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors across the genres, all kinds of writers. As you know, my conversation with uh, R.L. Stein, the creepy R.L. Stein, not creepy at all. He's a very nice guy. That's up there. Some great articles by the editor Aaron Brown, Jennifer Paris. My uh, thrice weekly blog is up there too. If you like fearless writing, you might want to check that out. It's all there on author magazine.org and we're funded by the wonderful Pacific Northwest Writers Association they've been supporting writers all the way from pen to publication since 1955 uh, if you're in the Northwest and you're a writer you should be a member yes you should be it's excellent it's like 65 bucks a month or a year a year excuse me give me a break that's nothing and what do you get to do you get to go to monthly meetings get your email you get it's off and you get to take classes you get discounts on classes they're great uh they of course host a conference every year and they just support all kinds of writers they don't care if you write romance children's literature poet doesn't matter they support all kinds of writers so go check them out at author magazine or excuse me at bnwa.org that's where they are okay ah i'm just a little rattled today must be very excited about my guest uh i'm going to be Next week, October 26th and 27th, I'm going to be down there in Pasadena, sweltering hot Pasadena, teaching writing to writers uh, at the Writer's Digest uh, Novel Writing Conference, their yearly novel writing conference. And I'm going to be there talking about how to listen to the muse and uh, how to give a killer keynote, how to speak to people if you're, if you're worried about Anyway, if you're going to be there, come say hey. Say hello, Bill. I love talking to writers about life and writing and everything. Okay, enough about me. Let's talk about Caitlin Hamilton Summy. This could be an interesting conversation. She's an interesting woman. Uh, Caitlin is the former marketing director of McMurray and Beck and also Blue Hen Books, both wonderful publishers in their time. Uh, at each company, she managed uh, imprint profile and directed all publicity, hardcover, and paperback. That's not just all she is. She's not just, no, she's not just a publisher. She's an author, too. And her first book, a collection of short stories called To Lay to Rest Our Ghosts, Our Ghosts came out last year, and it was published to excellent reviews all over the country, including a starred forward review, yes. And the title won a silver in the forward Indies Book of the Year Award. How nice. And was selected for 35 over 35's annual list. And is also a pulpwood selection. Oh, my God goodness but she's here with us now caitlin how you doing i'm doing wonderfully how are you well i'm happy i'm doing my show i always like to do my show so i guess i'm doing okay i guess i'm doing okay i'm glad Uh, that's great well so caitlin uh you're kind of an unusual animal uh, in the uh (laughs) writing world um because you came at it at least professionally from the business side, you were into you were part of marketing for McMurray and Beck and Blue Hen Books, which was a part of Penguin. Um, and so, was this was writing something that was 
creative writing was that always on a part of the the, the uh, equation or did you just get into the did you just love books got into marketing and said at some point hey I want to try my hand at this writing thing what was the order of things the order was writing first definitely I know there are not many of us who come um, and publish at least from the business side to the creative side. No. Um, but I really, yeah, I really started with the writing side. I had written all my life since childhood. And wait, I had wait, completed. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, so here I'm doing my, uh, sorry. I, have to, I don't usually. No, that's, I love I it. I now. love a conversation. It's great. <laughs> so, because I, I always do this, so it's kind of like a survey. The average age. That writers, someone as a young person, if they know from a young age they want to write, the average age is nine, I believe. It's kind of what people look up and it. say. So what was it I for complete. you? Well, I don't know because my mother what? told me I would bring her scribbles before I had actually learned the oh, alphabet. Oh, you're one of those. So I'm one of those. Okay. But I know that I, I finished my first novella at 13. I, I do remember that. Impressive. Very good. So well, you I were don't really know, on, but certainly ambitious. <laughs> right. Well, no, that's, you know, but that's what a lot of people who really like to do it. They just recognize like, and so, so you, you, so you were bringing her scribbles before, before you could even you know, really talk or whatever. And, and, but can you remember when you had kind of a conscious awareness, like, this is awesome. Like, I'm pretty happy when I'm doing this writing thing. Cause, cause you know, what's interesting is that every kid is made to write. Not every kid is made to play the piano or, or paint or, you know, recite Shakespeare, but they're all made mm-hmm. to write something. And so everybody's relationship to writing, everybody has a relationship with writing good or bad. And so, when did you recognize it as something you would be happy to do on your own and not just when teachers told you to? I love when, you, you know, the, I've, I've heard you ask this question before, and I, I love it because I think it really is very insightful. It lets people um, into that whole aspect of the writing life and where it begins. For me, it was Thanks. fifth grade with fifth Mrs. Grade. Bachman. She uh-huh. had us... Um, Back in the day, we would draw, you know, we'd illustrate and write a book, and then we'd put it together with pens, these little pens. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. she asked us to do one, and I did five. And <laughs> and I have them all upstairs. I have them all. You still have them. I do. The purple people eater was one. <laughs> oh, 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 very okay. <laughs> wow. So I have you were like, so you liked it. And you're 13. You're, you know, when I was 13, I, this was a profound moment to me. I was 13. I I would sit down every day before going to school, and I would work on my novel. And it was like, <gasps> uh, oh, yes, I, I, was, I, I get was totally you. I understand in. that. And yes. I'll tell you, when I was when I was at a very low moment in my life, and I thought, Bill, what if you just want to quit this writing? I mean, I was real. I'd hit bottom, and I was so miserable. And I said, mm-hmm. maybe I should just do it. I was standing in the middle of a restaurant where I was working. Just quit. And I heard a voice in my head. I saw a picture of me, age 13, writing. And a voice Mm. in my head said, what would you tell him? Oh, wow. And I did not quit. (laughs) No, you can't. No. What a powerful moment. moment. It was. I I had to leave. I was in the middle of the restaurant. I had to walk out just to get my thoughts together. It was so kind of moving to me. To catch your breath. Yeah. I did. Okay, so you're 13. You're right. You're like, okay. Do you remember the the name of that book, your, your, uh, your novella? Um, I remember, <laughs> I remember bits of it. It was a really long title, but but what I most remember <laughs> is that at that time, I think it was Athenaeum had a contest for kids, and Athenaeum, we were allowed to submit publisher? novels. 
yeah, Athenaeum. I'm pretty sure Athenaeum it was book. Athenaeum. Oh, yeah, 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 okay. And yeah, so I submitted my novel. It was it was for a kid's novel, and I remember the day it came back, and it came back because they said it was a novella, not a novel, and I was excluded from the contest, and I was oh, crushed. Go to hell, you bunch of. <laughs> God, I'm only 13. Give me a break. Okay. I was so sad, and I still remember my dad trying to console me and to oh explain the difference. God. He was really, he was really wonderful and 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 very compassionate. But yeah, I just now looking back, if I'd been an adult, I probably would have said, "Let the kid in." She gave it a go, yeah. but Jesus they were strict me. about the rules. So right, <laughs> there fine. we go. All right, so yeah. I, that was I my kinda... first terrible rejection as a writer, Bill. <laughs> so it begins. Right, yeah. so it begins. I learned there are some early. Some people don't go through it. Uh, there are some people don't get much of it, but uh, most of us do. Most of it goes through it. And so, I guess my question is then: See, so I'm sure you go. Did you go to college, or were you like me in a dropout in the middle? Did you actually finish college? Well, that's another interesting question. Gosh, no one's asked me this. Um, I I considered stopping. I went to Smith College, where I majored okay. in Middle Eastern history. But about my sophomore year, about uh-huh. my sophomore year, I had an agent in New York, what? and I broached the subject to him. Yeah, he's. I think he's passed away, okay. and um, I said I think I might stop school to finish the novel, and he said, "Don't do it. Just don't finish you school." Got you got an agent when you were a sophomore. Yeah, it was a really oh, funky, wow. wild thing. Wow. I've wow. never had That's... one since. <laughs> Whoa, God, maybe he put a curse on you. All right. I, he was a lovely guy, and he gave me the best and, and, and really the right advice. But, yeah. yeah, I've never had any luck since, so I don't know. Weird. Wow, so you, were, so you were writing a book, and you were really doing the thing. And so something must have ha- – so what happened that made you – because, you know, when I, what happened with me is I dropped out of college, and I was like, I am not going to have a career. You did. Oh, I, really? I couldn't. I was like, I can't. I was a good student, but I was like, I just can't do this. Like, I just, I just want to do my thing. And that was not an easy. That did not lead to an easy life, I will tell you. But it's what I had to do, um, mm-hmm. because I didn't want a career. I thought if I do a career, like it'll, I only want to write. I don't, I don't want to like become a teacher or a, you know, or a journalist. I tried journalism. I was like, mm-hmm. I don't want to do. Journalism. And so that, so I really was clear about that. Like, I don't care. I wait tables because I just want to be an artist and not get caught up in some side job. But, you know, I was a little obsessed in that way. So you, but you, so you decided to go into the the, the business of publishing mm-hmm. uh, to, to be close to it. Is that, was that sort of your strategy? Why, how'd you get into publicity and, and uh, what was the writer doing while she was helping other people sell their books? Um, you know, I went into it just because I, I loved stories. I don't think I necessarily realized at that age, oddly enough, that it was a strategic move as well. Right. I think that came to me far later. Um, and I started out in editorial and vintage. I was Robin Desser's um, assistant and also the vintage receptionist. And that's how I got <laughs> okay. my foot in the door. I, I agreed right. to be was, the receptionist. Where was vintage? Was that New York? It was in New York. Um, it's it was um, up on I think I can't even remember the 28th floor of the Random House wow, so building. You really just said screw it. I'm gonna just start right in essentially the mail close to the mailroom as I can start. Yeah. Really, you just yeah. All right. And but you know you. what was amazing was yeah, I learned so much answering those phones. 
I really did. Really? I learned who was who. Oh yeah, I learned who was who. Um, I it was it was a chance to actually meet people. You know, Sonny Mato would come by the desk, and I would always greet him. You know, who good is morning, that? Mr. Uh, who's Sonny Mato? Sonny Mato was, um, and I think still is, the editor in chief of Knopf. And so uh, he'd come okay. up to Vintage to see what was going on or to have a meeting. And so, you know, I really began to put the company together and to see who did what and to understand how it all worked, uh, not just okay. the editorial, not just the right. editorial. But I quickly realized that I wanted to write and that I wasn't really good in, in editorial. It wasn't where my strengths lay. So I left to do my MFA at Colorado State. Okay. And there's a sort of a... Took me a while to find a place, but um, Fred Ramey heard I was looking for a job and hired me to to be his marketing and publicity director, and that was perfect for me because oh. I love talking about books. I'm just not really great at helping someone achieve their vision by editing them, that, but I'm really good at I'm, yeah, I'm really uh, good at be, telling you why I love them, why you and love why them. they That's matter. Fascinating. So you, you you even though you love to write, you couldn't the whole edit thing just was not your game like you had to re- you had to and so you must have given it a shot at some point a little bit right I did I mean I did in workshops at CSU and I did at vintage trying to assess whether or not manuscripts were were appropriate you know for the right. list things like that but in terms of really getting to the heart of things and helping somebody else achieve their vision I felt somewhat limited right um, but when he, you know, hired me, Fred did, to do the marketing, it was really easy for me to call places and tell them why I loved a book and why it was right for their readers or why it was right for their listeners. And Interesting. For, for some reason, that just clicked in a way that editorial never did. All right. So one of the things I've been asked to teach a lot recently is, is, a, is, a, store, is a workshop called Fearless Marketing. Uh, and mm-hmm. it's actually a, taken from it's a chapter in my book, Fearless Writing. But mm-hmm. I've been asked a lot to teach it recently, and and because writers are more and more asked to do their own uh, marketing, of course, uh, mm-hmm. these days, and they hate it, <laughs> and they and I they know. feel uncomfortable <laughs> with it, and there's a lot of emotional reasons why they don't like it, and that's what I help them with. Mm-hmm. But the thing I always tell them to to do, and it reminds me of because I thought of it as you were describing, is I say to them, look, you have got to drill down on what is awesome about your book because you don't know who's going to like it. You're not who's going to buy it, but you do know why you love that book and why you wrote it. And you've got to remember that first and foremost, when you go out and talk to people about it. And it sounds like that's what you did basically is you thought, why is this book awesome? And then you would see, that's just, that's just what I tell my students to do. See what, so what is it I that I love? Right. Well, yeah. Right. What, what is it that what I love, love about it? What makes it unique? You know, the whole, the basic three marketing questions is what is the product? You know, what is the audience for this product and how are we going to reach that audience? But intertwined, woven into all that is why do I love it? And why should, why should somebody at the San Diego Union Tribune care about this? Or, or why right. should the New York Times care about this? And it's not always easy, and not everyone agrees with you or shares your enthusiasm. But right. yeah, I think I think as a marketer, you have to tap into what what sparks your imagination, what captures your attention, you know, what makes it special. And right. I think if authors can do that on their own, then it does give them a leg up in the marketplace. 
or at least make them less miserable <laughs> because they I, I real they do they don't they they have so many mixed feelings about pushing their stuff and feeling like I don't like people advertising to me why should I? there's so many stuff that get mixed up in 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 just trying to share your work with other people uh that mm-hmm. and, and the well, the idea of worrying what other people think about your stuff. There's just a lot of things that go in that have nothing to do with marketing that screw people up when they try to market. This has been my experience. Oh, it's true. No, it's true. And I think that we are sometimes often our own worst enemies. And I think that it's important to remember that if we were building homes, if we were doing other kinds of things, we would not have these hesitations. And it's really hard when one's invested decades or years in a creative product to get out there and speak about it the same way. But you do have to recalibrate your thinking and tap into what makes it unique or special to you. But then you also need to put your business hat on. If you want to succeed, you have to treat this like a business. Yeah, you do. That part of it very hard it's very hard for a lot of people it is it's why it's nice to have people like you that they can sometimes hire to take to do some of that businessy stuff but yes but all right you are not just a publicist as i said you published last year a collection of short stories so how did this come about you so you're doing this work you're liking it you're doing publicity i think you have your own do you have your own company now is that what you're doing with the publicity Mm -hmm. do okay I my, I actually was solo when Unbridled Books brought me in, so I worked. It's been almost 16 years. I handled all the marketing for them, but through this firm. Okay, but so you're doing this. Obviously, you like it because you're still doing it. Mm-hmm. But you wanted to write. See, but the writing never died. That flyer kept burning, mm-hmm. and you decided on a collection of short stories. How did that come about? Were you writing and sort of submitting stories while you're doing? You know at night or whenever while you were doing your day job? Or did you say, no, I'm going to sit down and write a collection? How did that come about? Well, there are 10 stories in the collection, and eight of them were written when I was in Colorado at Colorado State. Ah, And um, I wasn't working full-time, and I wasn't a mom. Um, And I've always written. I've kept writing, even while I'm working. And at one point, um, Mark Estrin, who's the editor at Fomite, looked at my website. He and I know each other. I've I've worked with several of his authors and he I guess for some reason he just decided to to see how I formally pre- presented myself and he noticed that I'd published a few stories. I'd stopped sending them out for a while. Life right. intervened. Um right. and he asked me if I had a collection and I told him immediately that no I didn't, but I really appreciated his asking. And about a year later something changed and I just thought, what have I got to lose basically? Right. And I sent a story out and it was accepted. And so then huh. I sent others out, and they started getting accepted. And I wrote to Mark, and I said, I have ten. I think it's a collection. If if I'm not working with one of your authors at the time, would you consider my book? And he said, send it ahead. And and a week later, he wrote back, and he said he'd accepted it, which floored me. I thought a, a week's reply would mean it was done. It was over. It was terrible. <laughs> right. But, well, no. Usually the quick replies, often people, that's when they want it. They just know, and then so they just jump on it. So that's awesome. So you knew the publisher at Fomite Press, and so mm-hmm. and so it came out. So how long did it take you? Did you work with him on the on the manuscript some? Did you go? Did you do some editing on it, or did you just take it as is? He pretty much took it as is. The last two stories I'd been working on for, you know, the last story in the book took me six years. 
So ah. what he got was a really final product. And most of what he had were line edits or things where he felt that there was something confusing or poor phrasing. But yeah. it wasn't the gigantic overhaul I expected. Well, um, yeah. But, I, you know, it had been in, in process for decades. So, you know, I guess I guess it was pretty much ready to go, which was exciting and terrifying. Sure. Yeah. Terrifying. Terrifying. Yeah. Why was it terrifying? Well, I mean, I think any, you know, I, I've, I've shepherded enough authors through the process now to know that at some point every author has a panic. And, and I knew mine would be coming. You know, I could look at myself, separate myself from myself and sort of see what was coming because I've seen it for, for so many years working. And I knew at some point it, I would have this moment of, oh, my gosh. Like you said, it's going out there. What are people going to think? And so uh, I did. I had my moment of, of terror, and then I let it go. Good. You let it go, and then mm-hmm. it went out, and then you started hearing. Then you started hearing back from the world in various mm-hmm. forms. Did you pay attention to the reviews? Did you ignore them? What did you do with that? I wanted not to read any of them. And yeah. my husband, who act, is is in the business with me, he's also a book publicist, um, encouraged oh. me to read them. Um, and I think he was right. I think he felt that the they would be heartwarming and affirming, reassuring. Right. But I think he also felt there were a couple that were mixed, that they would be educational and productive for me for the next book. Were they? Um, I think so, yes. I I found it very interesting. I think some of the things I will take away and consider and other things are just how I write. And if people didn't care for it, then I'm, I'm not the writer for them. And and that's just fine. But there were some really constructive comments that made me pause and go, huh, I should revisit how I approach this subject or the, the telling. Um, So I think he was right in the end. And also I think it's respectful to read if people have taken the time yeah. To read some of some of them. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I have very mixed feelings about it. You get into it's like you get the worst thing you can do when you sit down to write. I mean, I get, I totally, I get his point of view, and I don't, I, I'm not sure I have the final word on this at all. But I feel like as a writer, the worst thing you can do when you actually sit down to write is to be in anybody else's head. I wrote a whole book about don't be in anyone's yeah. head. You got to be in your yes. head. And it, and you, right, and that's the, true too. Yeah. You know, and if you start thinking about what other people think of it, I, in fact, I had an experience where a writer I quite admire had read a blog of mine and had written saying, that was great. What wonderful. And I was really thrilled at this person. And the next time I sat down to write a blog, I was like, I wonder if she'll like this one. And I thought, Ouch. and that yeah. screwed me up as much as if she had said, you don't know how to write. It was just as right. disorienting. So I think it's, I th- it's tricky. I think it is tricky. And I mean, I think, you know, he was right. They were reassuring and then reading the mixed ones just to find out, you know, what people thought or to learn. It's not a bad thing. But I do take your point. And I think that part of what I have found as a writer versus a publicist is that if you're going to read them, then you have to give yourself a significant amount of, of time away from those reviews before you, in my personal experience, start working on something comparable again you know sort of absorb it but don't remember the fine print don't remember the details the global is what helps me and Mm, i guess everybody's different too i mean we all have our own process and i think that's why you know interviews like this are so helpful because we're all different and learning how other people work may not you know maybe won't help 
one person, but maybe another, you know? I, one of the things, one of the reasons I did these interviews uh, and, and why I do them on author and why I insisted for the author ones, they be video interviews so you could see them physically as human beings is I thought it'd be very helpful for people who are still finding their way or even for people who are having starting their careers and having some success, but maybe don't have a lot of writer friends to see that everybody goes through the same stuff. You know, we're all yeah. struggling. We're all, human. Yeah. we're all human and we all worry about the, whether it's working and will anybody like it? And I just think it's very helpful if you're going through that to realize you're not the, there's nothing wrong with you for thinking this book sucks and I'll never finish it. It's so common for writers mm-hmm. to go through that, you know, so that was part I think of the we reason. We all need that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That community. Yeah. Absolutely. You're not alone. So, so you, you, so out it came. But this was like a long time coming accumulation of stuff. You started mm-hmm. writing when you were younger. Now you're a mm-hmm. grown up person. You've got kids. <laughs> you've got, been married. You've learned if you've been a professional. You have your own business. This changes the way you like look at the world. Some, you know, uh, and so that must change the kind of stories you tell. At least a little bit, maybe. So, do you want to write short stories? Do you want to write novels? What's next for Caitlin? Well, I, you know, it's interesting you ask that. I think that um, I've always written short stories, but I also write poems, and I have a novel drafted and done. I just need to rewrite it for a couple of years probably, but it's it's the first draft's done. And I've also, in the la- probably because I am a mother, in the last seven years I've, I've completed a middle-grade novel and some picture books. Oh, so interesting. I, oh. I write whatever I want to write. I give myself permission to just do whatever I feel inspired to do. So I have a lot of things in the pipeline, yeah. but it's going to take me a long time to get them done because I do love my job and I do love my family. And so, Oh, um, the hell with them. you got to write. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. All right, good for you. Yeah, you're a good person. You know. But you've got a lot. You've got, your, you've got many irons in the fire in terms mm-hmm. of creative projects. You know, picture mm-hmm. books, middle grade to novels. Uh, and so do you... Uh, when you sit down to work, do you just say, what's interesting to me today? Or do you say, all right, I'm going to really finish that middle grade novel. Nah, I want to just like spend the next six months getting it. Or does it just vary from day to day? I just decide what I feel like working on that day. I just, what what am I interested in today? Oh, and boy. also, I have 10 minutes. What can I do in 10 minutes? <laughs> oh, so you yeah. really are trying to put it in where you can. Oh yes, because I have two children and they're they? um, they're ten and eleven. Okay, um, it's a little better than 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 six and five. <laughs> I would say for right. Yes, a little better. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and so I just, you know, in trying to squeeze in the the homework and the new math, yeah. which is like studying Russian for me. And, oh please, don't even get me started. On <laughs> I went through it. I went through it. Yeah, you know, so I just take what I can can get out of each week, not even each day. Right, and, okay. Um I'm grateful for it, I guess. Uh, it's good. Good listen to you. Listen, there's a lot of you guys out there listening now. You've got full lives like Caitlin here. You see, get what you can, where you can. It sounds like you don't beat yourself up if you only get in an hour in one week, for instance. Like you don't no. sit around and say, what? Ah, oh, that's key. That's I can't. kind because of you. Yeah, I just can't. I I can go whole weeks without having a chance to write anything. And right. I've had years. So 
I'm just grateful for whatever I can get. I'm thrilled that the book was was published, that I did it, you know. I said yeah. to my kids at my launch, it was worth waiting 25 years if it meant I got to celebrate with you. That's, oh, that's nice. Did they like that or did they roll their little pre-adolescent eyes at you? They got it. They were Good. they were they were with me the whole process. They they saw right. the some of the stories were rejected and some were taken and then the book yeah. was accepted and so they understood dreams take work and mom did it and and they were proud of me. They were also oh. really relieved. <laughs> <laughs> it's well, not easy to see you know stories your mom wrote get rejected, is it? No, so, no, they didn't. No. But they, they saw you see it through. That'll be so helpful to them. I think you know. Uh, I just hope. To see, I would. I well. I just don't know. You know, my. I, I had my life. My fam, My parents lived their lives and had their experiences, and you know, some helped me. Some of their failures helped me. Some of their successes didn't help me. You know, so I don't know how mm-hmm. it works with everybody. It's a little different. Well, all right. Well, Caitlin, uh, you know, when you finish something and you get it published, let me know. Maybe we can have you back on this. <laughs> On this show. At the rate I'm going, I'll be 90, but I I will call you. I will All right. email you. <laughs> All right, good. Well, you know where to find me. Uh, but, okay, but I'm not done with you yet. You listen to the show. You know what's coming. Uh, mm-hmm. So, first of all, if people want to find out about you, if they want to hire you to be their publicist, I should mm-hmm. say she got herself on this show by con. She was really friendly and straightforward, and I couldn't say no. Plus, we have a mutual oh. friend who she helped get on my show. So, I, my guess is she's a great publicist. So if they want to hire you or work with you, how can where do they where do they go? Just Caitlin, is it where do they go? Tell me. Tell the, us. the business the business website is caitlinhamiltonmarketing.com. All right. And do you and have an author type place. website? I do. My author website is caitlinhamiltonsummy.com. All right. All right. Easy enough. Okay. So if they want to learn more, that's where they can learn it. Uh, and and to lay to rest our ghosts, they can buy it. Well, I, wherever. Probably Amazon's the easiest, but maybe it's in their bookstores now. It's hard to say with mm-hmm. short story collections. It uh, is, yeah. In some stores nationwide, yes. Right. To lay to rest our ghosts, it's called. So, Caitlin, finish yes. the sentence. If writing has taught you anything, it's taught you what? Humility. Ha! Good one. How did it teach you that? With all those rejections or just the patience? How did it teach you that? I think I think the rejections, I think the the patience of of waiting for quote unquote my turn. I think um also just the seeing a story come through in the end, you know, the last one as I said took me 6 years and right. um sometimes sometimes you really have to work hard and be grateful that that you got there. That's awesome. Humility. It's a good one. It's a good one. Caitlin, thanks so much. It was great talking to you. I loved it. Thank you so much for having me. You are welcome. Bye-bye. Well, humility, people, it's true. It's true. you got to be humble. you got to be humble. You know why? Well, there's a lot of reasons why. But another reason is, you know, you're not really writing these things. Not totally. You're kind of, you and something else are doing it. Isn't that true? I think it is. You can call it your muse, whatever you want to call it. But you got to open the door and let the story in. So next week... I'm going to be uh, having Adam Caton Holland on. He was the one I was going to have on about a month ago when my internet went down. But he he graciously agreed to come back. It's a memoir. He's a funny guy. He's a comedian, an actor. Should be a lot of fun. 
As always, I want to thank my dear friend and uh, producer, R.J. Jeffries, and all you people out there, all you authors, go do something that you love doing with someone you love. Always good. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.